New Wii? New New Wii? Yeah. Like wait, you wait, and wait. me. Oh, like, okay. I was like, yeah. they're making a sequel to the Wii U? Ah, uh, yes. The, Wii the Wii U 2? The Wii 2? The Wii 2, yeah. <laughs> Wii 2 would like to play. That is the, uh, mm, that's mm. going to be the, that's going to be the new commercial they're going to put out there. And now there's, instead of two guys coming to your door, there's four guys. Wow. And then they'll do Wii 3 once they get past that trademark. And then there'll be, uh, I guess, eight guys at your door also wanting to play. My goodness, this is this is getting out of hand. I, I don't have enough hors d'oeuvres to serve all of these guests at this point. All these no. Japanese businessmen coming to my door. Well, they keep telling me they'd like to play, and I don't I don't know what to tell them. I don't, what like this is gonna this is gonna really this is gonna really screw up the the fire code of the building. Will uh, sequels to beloved uh, mid two thousands Nintendo consoles are in for twenty twenty three? Uh, and I, I, I'm trying to think what's out. What's out for 2023 that we can compare to that? Well, uh, I mean, speaking of, speaking of beloved, well, I sh- maybe I should say speaking of beloved and sequels in the same sentence. You've you 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 are a recent convert to the way of water. That's right. That's right. Uh, Avatar in for 2023. Uh, it, it, Avatar is here to stay. I heard recently that James Cameron is talking about how in Avatar 5, they're going to go back to Earth. Um, so I eagerly await, you know, Avatars uh, 3 through 6 or 7, I guess. Uh, I'm along for the ride. Um, I'm I'm jacking in my hair follicle thing, um, and I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm Navi-pilled. So yeah, Avatar's Seems- in for 2023. It seems so. I mean, I I'm uh, like a soft avatar hater. So uh, wow. I was very I was very surprised that it uh, that it did that it was successful to the point that it was. But really, at least at the very least, the people who were on team Avatar from day 1 such as yourself got to be very very happy with the success that it had. It's true. It's true. And being happy, that's another thing that's in for 2023, Will. And you want to know what else is in for 2023? What's that? Uh, answering emails uh, on podcasts. Big right. email answering is also definitely in for 2023. Well, especially on this podcast, it's Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Welcome to the first episode of 2023. Whether you're listening on the Patreon or on the free feed, we welcome you. My name's Will Young. My co-host is Lucas Mancini. And you're right, Lucas, we do have a couple of emails. Now, it was a... It was a busy holiday season, so uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners were attending to various uh, needs of either their families, their friends, or themselves. But we did get a couple who took some time to send us some messages. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is our email address. And our first one comes to us from Kat. Hello, Will and Lucas, not Mike. Hope all is well. I was watching various Arthur episodes tonight, and up came the Agent of Change episode. During the cold open, when Muffy and Francine are at the Trucks movie, something caught my eye. As the credits rolled, it showed a section for stuntmen, with two actors listed below. Immediately, I paused. Does this mean that humanized vehicles exist in Arthur? Animal hierarchy be darned. I always thought Trucks was an animated movie, but it seems it's live action. I can't imagine it's people in truck cosplay, although that'd be pretty funny. This means there are funny cars and not funny cars. 
throwback to the discussion when y'all spoke on uh, f- talking versus non-talking animals. All interesting things to think about. Um, I have an explanation. I have an explanation for this. Go for it. It's not funny cars. It's people in mocap uh, ping pong ball suits doing the stunts in uh, oh. trucks because that's still called stunt work. If you have that's to, true. you know, jump on some crash mats or something. But they're doing the they're using the Benedict Cumberbatch face technology that they used to turn him into smog, uh, and they're <laughs> <laughs> they're they're using that to uh, create the beloved trucks characters. Yeah, and the 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 stuntman credit could be like one of those IMDb crazy credits where it's like, oh, they called them stuntmen, <laughs> even though right, it is it is a mocap thing, but there is still physicality involved in that motion capture process. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we have another email here from Anonymous, who watched Mean Girls for the first time recently and totally saw a resemblance between some of the Arthur characters. First off, there is Regina George and Muffy Crosswire, both bratty rich girls who want to be popular. Muffy would also have kept a burn book when she was in high school. Absolutely. I also noticed Kate, uh, Caddy, I should say, is like Sue Ellen, because, was it Katie or was it Caddy, or was Caddy when I got it wrong? I haven't seen Mean Girls in a while. Uh, Lindsay Lohan's character is like Sue Ellen, because both of them are exchange students who have lived abroad. Both Gretchen and Francine are Jewish, though there's not much similarities other than that. Mr. Frensky did not invent the toaster strudel that we know. Molly is Janice Ian, the rebel goth girl. Karen Smith is Fern, shy and quiet. Brain is definitely Kevin, uh, the leader of the mathletes. Mr. Haney would be Mr. Duval, the principal. And Mr. Ratburn would be Ms. Norbury. Any other thoughts? May the force be with you and happy 2023. Well, of course, there is that uh, there is that joke for Amanda Seyfried's character of where she points to her ears and says, I'm a mouse. Duh. Mm, mm. Maybe that's maybe that maybe that's like it's, you know, how every uh, celebrity has the uh, aardvark ears. And that's what those kind of look like. I think you're on anyway, something here, Will. It, 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 it has been a, a long time since I've seen Mean Girls, so it's not the closest to my memory. Mm. Uh, have you have you seen Mean Girls, Lucas? Uh, oh, yeah, multiple times, but not, not any time recently. Iconic film of the early 2000s. I will, uh, de- next time I watch it, I will definitely be keeping the Arthur lens close to mind. I think that movie, if I'm not mistaken, if it's not this year, it's next year, that we're getting its 20th anniversary. Oh my gosh. You're going to make us feel even more ancient than we already do talking about this children's show. I remember seeing commercials for that on TV uh, when it was coming out in the theaters. So yeah, that's uh, just a little little uh, framing of our lives. Thank you for the emails, everybody. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Now, of course, this first week of January is already a little bit different. Because as I said up at the top, you may be listening to this first on our Patreon feed. And if you are, thank you very much. If you aren't, if you're hearing this in the second week of January, you could have heard this a week earlier because that is part of our new Patreon schedule. If you want the full breakdown, then I suggest you go back a couple of uh, episodes in your free feed. I got the full breakdown for you. I don't think it's especially confusing or anything, but 
you know, it takes a couple of minutes to explain it. But basically, patrons are getting Elwood City Limits episodes a week early. So we have to kind of start with a bit of a dead week on the free feed, and then we really get rolling. And then at the end of the month, we're also going to be doing our next episode of ECL Origins, where we will be talking about Yvonne of the Yukon. Finally, we're starting off 2023 by writing a wrong that is seven years in the making. I, I'm a little bit nervous. I want to say I'm excited, but <laughs> I, I'm a little bit grossed out. I can smell him already. Let's just say that much. Maybe I, should, maybe I shouldn't have taken my Burks off. That might be me. So patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you would like to get every upcoming episode of ECL a week early, if you'd like to hear uh, ECL Origins, where we'll be talking about all manner of cartoon shows not related to PBS, or eventually we will be getting back to, for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast. And, we, of course, we want to say thank you to our patrons as well. And I have a new system for this because I made an Excel spreadsheet. So now I can keep track of everybody who I name. And I will be trying to uh, update it as regularly as I can. So I'm going to I've got the X ready and I don't have to switch. I don't have to switch pages or anything. I just have to scroll down. So we're going to start actually on the last on the last page of patrons uh, by saying thank you to patrons such as Leanne S., to Teresa, to Stella, to Riley Stevens, to Caitlin Harrington Robinson, to Muppet Baby Cat, to Rachel Pearson and Marlo Stanfield, saying thank you to Lily W., saying thank you to Yoshi, by the way. Lucas, we got a couple of Christmas presents this holiday, and one of them came from Yoshi, some really cool Arthur mugs. Yes, I'm a big mug guy, so much appreciated. Two mug men over here. Mm. Uh, we also want to say thank you to Lawrence. We want to say thank you to Greenhouse Vinyls. We want to say thank you to Gabby S. and to the Flying Sparks 32. And I'm going to go scroll down a little bit more to some of our newer patrons, such as Alicia and Thunder Yetta and Cyril Delarosa. Thanks, everybody, uh, for subscribing. Patreon.com slash Limits. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, just a couple of the reasons why to subscribe over there. All right, Lucas, this is it. We're starting off Arthur in 2023 with Buster's Garden of Grief. Now, I thought this was going to be a bit of a sad episode, but it turns out we're not talking about sad grief. We're talking about like um, like 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 uh, a synonym for stress. Yeah, yes. Um, And this it it's not uh immediately evident of what's going on in this intro like mm-hmm. i was like oh okay cool we're we're getting an episode about uh taking care of plants and uh i uh you know watching plants and flowers and that kind of thing i was uh, it piqued my interest but this intro is kind of weird like the conceit of the cold open is that buster is too distracted he's too adhd rattled to uh <laughs> be a good cameraman for Arthur's cold open. And he keeps like looking at things and p- putting Arthur out of frame. Um, he even runs away from the camera at the end. And I was like, what is this episode like about? If like, it's a weird mishmash of this uh, and the growing plant stuff. It becomes a lot uh, more, you know, it makes more sense in, in retrospect. Once you watch the episode, this cold open makes a little bit more sense, but just watching it fresh. I was like, what is going on here? 
Well, right. And Arthur is trying to talk about how, like, it's like life begins from something as small as a seed. Um, I will I will note that Buster seems to be distracted by a handheld game that comes back uh, later in the episode. And looks like it's um, it, it looks very similar to Fish Finder 6 mm. from the first season. So I'll just throw that out there for all you Arthur old heads like me. So the idea behind this episode, Buster's Garden of Grief, is that Buster is asked to take charge of the community garden. So the community garden has been part of Buster's character in the background for a couple of seasons now. Um, and the owner of the community garden is this older fella named Fritz. And unfortunately, he broke his ankle, but uh, he's still pumping iron in the gym, just uh, doing a lot more. He's, he has a valid reason to skip leg day now. Mm-hmm. So he broke it, broke his ankle, Didn't don't really know how, and he asks Buster to take charge of the garden. Um, Buster initially is really doesn't want to do this because he feels that he, he like through, I, I I guess not only his feelings. Like he says this to his friends, and they they and he feel that he is not a responsible enough person. We even get this um, what ends up being a dream that Buster has that he lets the entire essentially he lets the entire garden um go horribly, and it's. It's actually it's it's quite mean of Buster's subconscious. He's really hard on himself in this episode. In the dream, you know, it's 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 kind of a typical Buster scenario where he chases after the ice cream van and then we've actually seen this quite a bit where Buster eats so much that his stomach balloons past his sweater and his belt line and he gets like he's like chocolate on his face. Um but usually that's something that either other people think of him or something that like something that the show just does on him. This is Buster's mind thinking like, yes, I am a slovenly pig and Mm. I will just eat everything in sight. Like he's in this dream where he's imagining being the caretaker of the garden. He just abandons his post to get ice cream. He says he eats, he, he gets in an argument with a tomato, which has a, a bunch of the vegetables in his dream have faces and he says, I only had one ice pop. And the tomato says, you had six. So Buster taking down a lot of, ch- looks like chocolate ice pops because he's got the chocolate ring around his mouth, it's, too. It's weird, though. It, it's a bizarre dream because like yeah. they're not so much mad at him for eating too much. They're mad at him for getting distracted. Um, right. And, and he's not just admonished by the tomato. He's admonished by uh, all of them, the pears, all of the, plant, the watermelon. Um, and then, like... The weed that he pulled, like, has an evil laugh and, like, recedes back into the dirt. Very strange. Well, and so in the dream, his job is to pull the weeds. And if he looks away for, like, two minutes, then the weeds begin to overgrow and, like, threaten to strangle the tomatoes. There's also this mild, horrific moment where Buster sees a plant-eating flower in the tree. Like, this little... little, like I guess it is like you said, like a pear gets devoured by this uh, this flower with a mouth in the tree. It's a little, it's a little upsetting. <laughs> yeah, some classic Arthur nightmare stuff. Um, and then you know the the nightmare of uh, Buster's subconscious is then matched with the a, a real nightmare, IRL nightmare, which is. Uh, community organizations. Uh. So, <laughs> so this, this, I'm glad you brought this up because as soon as Buster it 
takes charge of the uh, of the community garden. Like one of the first things that happens is there's this guy with a weed whacker who we do get a name for him. I just don't don't remember the name off the top of my head. I didn't write it down. But we get yeah, this guy with a weed almost, whacker. Who, he was almost throwaway character of the week this week, but someone <laughs> else took that throne. I bet uh, he did. Stay tuned. <laughs> so there's this guy who with a weed whacker who is just sni- snipping weeds and Buster's like, what are you or not even sipping weeds. He's just snipping greens in the garden. And he's just like, well, I thought they were, you know, unsightly. And Buster's like, they're not unsightly. They're zucchini. And then this guy comes in and just like, well, uh, a bunch of people in the neighborhood really want to just pave over this community garden. So these these jerks were like waiting for the moment that Fritz slipped up. And then they pounced on this plot of land like not only to get rid of a community garden, which is a really, really nice idea. And like it's really community minded idea but they just want to pave it over and make like i think it was like a parking lot or some such it was like a weird like it was like it was like a park with benches but completely concrete and this is great because it it actually feels very true to life like you know these people were in a facebook group they've been talking about the (laughs) community garden for months and they've just been scheming and waiting for something to happen to fritz um, cause yeah, not, not a day goes by before this guy's in there with the weed whacker. Um, his enemies preying on his downfall. Exactly. Exactly. Our first appearance of a NIMBYs in Arthur. Um, <laughs> well, Lu- Lucas, for those who may not be aware, because sometimes, you know, it's brought to my attention, you know, sometimes we say things like X-Pac heat and people don't know what that means. Lucas, what does what it, NIMBY's an acronym? What does it right. stand for? Not in my backyard. And uh, this gentleman doesn't want a community garden in his backyard. Have heaven forbid. But so Buster kind of shoes him off, and he does wait, put okay, in the hard work. Wait. I paused on the revised plans for the community garden. <laughs> yeah. So it is one bench, four garbage cans, a fire hydrant. And that's all fenced in and covered with concrete. <laughs> and you just know that that bench is eventually going to have it, like, those preventative measures yes. to keep people from Ant- sleeping on anti-homeless it. Anti-homeless spikes. And also exactly. anti-skater spikes will also be on that bench. It will be an yeah. unusable bench. It's a slippery slope when you get into this kind of, as you said, NIMBY behavior. Um, so, yeah, Buster does, to his credit, put in the work. He's pu- putting in hard, long hours to, like, make sure he's pulling up the weeds, make sure all the plants are taken care of. He's really doing the work. Um, to to one point, like, Buster is having to interrupt, like, his own life. He can't go to the uh, baseball games that he's scheduled for. He doesn't have time to, like, do everything else in his life. This is kind of getting close to child labor. Buster huh. should be getting... Comp- I guess Buster is probably getting compensated with the vegetables from the garden, but yeah. still, this is. But that, uh, that's the thing about the community, a community garden will is that no one gets paid for it, right? It's a labor of yeah, love. Of course, um, the, of course. The, the problem is the necessity of Buster doing this is that there is literally no one else in the community, it seems, who has the skills or know how or will to to keep it up. So um, that's why Buster's been tasked. Um, but you're right; it seems to be he's putting in a ton of work. Well, and you mentioned earlier Buster being riddled with ADHD, and I think that's something we've brought up again and again. And um, I actually think this thing, its I mean, it is interesting to see Buster 
have this part of his life. He's a genuine interest in the community garden, and that's been established. I think this would actually be great for somebody like him who gets easily distracted because taking care of this garden, there's a lot of different tasks to accomplish. It rarely gets boring. It is hard work, and I'm sure it can be like a little bit um, monotonous after a while, but this seems like a really good thing for him, not just personality-wise, but just in terms of engaging his brain in something constructive. Well, well, that's um, kind of the message of the episode as a whole is, is you know, Buster rises to the challenge. At first, he's so apprehensive to do it, and then once he realizes that it's going to get demolished if he doesn't, um, you know, Buster accepts and rises to the responsibility. And it's actually a big moment of growth for the Buster character. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and and don't worry, the community organization is in waiting. He can't slip up once. There's a part where there's like one dead leaf, and that guy comes back and he's like, "Hey, a dead leaf!" And then Buster rakes it up in front of him. Um, Ever there's vigilant. Also th there's also a really neat uh, jazzy electronic piano piece for the montage where Buster is uh, doing the gardening. I don't think we've really heard that one before. So eventually this hits a snag because Buster and his mom have a camping vacation planned. So Buster asks Arthur, Muffy, and Francine, who they were present earlier in the episode. They were the ones who cast doubt on Buster's ability to be responsible. So he asks them to take care of the garden while he and his mom go on vacation. But unfortunately, off screen, they mess it up. Buster comes back and he asks them, it like, he comes back, basically the garden is ruined, the vegetables have not been watered, it's, the weeds are overgrown, no, but really nobody's taking care of it. So Buster does confront them about it and they kind of pass the buck onto one another. There's this period of this episode where, like, we've, I feel we've never seen Buster quite so low as we see him here. So when he is confronting his friends, he is... He's angry, but he's also disappointed, and he ends up ultimately blaming himself. There's this really, like, he's not yelling at them necessarily. He's just trying to get the answers from them, and they are very evasive, and then eventually Buster just kind of resigns himself to the fact that, in his mind, he failed. There's a really great line reading here. I mean, Daniel Brochu is still the voice of Buster. He's been doing him for decades. But I, this is so outside of how Buster normally sounds that it really stuck out for me, where he kind of like goes to walk away. He looks back at the three and he says, did any of you water it ever? And it's <laughs> he's not he doesn't yell. He's not like cartoon exasperated. Like I've felt that feeling before mm. when like somebody has disappointed you so much that you're just like, did you, did you like, did you mean to do that? Were you <laughs> yeah. trying to hurt me? It's like with that same tone of voice, it really struck me. Yeah. It's, he's totally dejected. Yeah. And in fact, later on, Buster is playing his, um, he's playing his handheld game and he's really down in the dumps. He's like, depressed he's not like not only is he bummed out about it but he's again blaming himself he's just very much like well i should have known i can't take responsibility for anything i'm just not a responsible person in and to hear buster speak so poorly about himself is mm -hmm. really depressing in a way that like really surprised me and again it's I, I identify with that kind of language that you speak to that you speak about yourself with it's just like, oh, no, Buster's the happy character. He's not supposed to have these 
darker feelings. And it's like, again, this is a kid's show. I didn't expect this level of depth from Buster's emotions. Well, and right when you think it can't get any darker, we have what for a moment I thought was a heel turn from Arthur's dad. Uh, because Buster hears the weed whacker again. He runs to the community garden and who's in there, but dad Reed chopping up the vegetables. And I was like, for a moment, I was like, Oh my God, he's in the same Facebook group. Uh, but no. And it's, and it's under cover of night too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's extra sus. Uh, yeah. Gardening (laughs) at night, kind of a weird move, but, um, no, it turns out that, uh, Francine and Muffy and Arthur um, have deputized uh, Arthur's dad to help them because they felt bad, and they're actually uh, working on the garden uh, overtime in order to help out Buster because they, they too want to rise to the occasion. They've been inspired uh, by his new responsibility. And this, in turn, inspires Buster to keep going, and they do manage pretty quickly to turn the garden back around as Fritz is going out of town with his family and he feels he and Buster both feel that Buster can be trusted with the community garden. So it does end it does end happily, which is good because geez, like for a second there it was just like, oh man, Buster's really this I, I think this I think this is like Buster's first foray into depression, but hope mm. hopefully not. Although he does become a teacher, so probably not his last. Ha ha. So that's Buster's Garden of Grief. I mean, I don't have much more to to say about it unless there was anything else that uh, we left out uh, from what you wanted to say. No, we'll do final thoughts, but it is a it, it's a very straightforward episode, and we'll yes. get into that a little bit more later on. But first, just oh, let's let's hear a word from us kids, and then we'll talk about how things are just only getting weirder. A word from us kids. A word from us. Oh, right. <laughs> Jeez, it's it, Lucas. It's been too. It's been too long. We go too long without doing Elwood City Limits, and I forget. I forget even what the show sounds like. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, uh, yeah. If you're on the Patreon feed, hang on one second. If not, we'll be back right after this. Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Instagram, at at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be read on the show. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. Finally, for exclusive content, including entire side series like For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast and ECL Origins, subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening. And now back to the show. All right. Uh, this one is, turned out to be a bit more significant than I thought it was going to be. And that is through the looking glasses. Um, the the upload on this one was weird. So as, I think we've mentioned before that um, at least in our, t- at least in Canada, um, a lot of the season 15 episodes we've been watching on official uploads on the Arthur YouTube channel. But for some reason... The opening to this episode is at the end of the upload for Buster's Garden of Grief, and then this upload starts with, like, without the cold open. So I had to kind of figure that out. So the cold open for this one is how 
Arthur talks about how our perceptions of how other people look can affect how we view them. And we see all of these kind of abstract, odd um, character additions. So, for example, in Brain's mom's ice cream shop, Buster's ears are down. So Muffy interprets that that means he's sad, even though Buster says he's not sad. Muffy's ponytails are up in the air. So Buster thinks that she's surprised, but she's not. And this goes on. Like, Binky has a mustache, so everybody thinks he looks more distinguished. Brain is a centaur. So that's pretty weird. He, he's, I think Binky sees him as scarier than he normally is. And Arthur leaves the scene uh, in a ballerina's tutu. So, yes, and he spins, uh, he pirouettes away, which I thought was a really funny visual gag. Now, lots of things to get into here, Will. First and of foremost, yes. um, I know what you want to ask. <laughs> Would I eat the berry obelisk? That, uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, so berry. This is this is what Buster ordered at the ice cream shop. It is a. So it looks to be a a green jello model of a building like the Parthenon, perhaps. I don't. I don't know. But that's probably the wrong uh, Greek building. But it also has fruit kind of floating inside it, and then brain adds coconut snow. I, yes. I, frankly, Lucas, I don't think I need to ask. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you probably would. A resounding yes to the Mary Obelisk. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I'm craving it right now. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty big, man. That's that's a meal. It's true, though it all liquefies. You know, it's like eating a big smoothie. Actually, I have no idea. I don't know if this thing's even possible. Secondly, the other note I had about this sequence is that Binky with a mustache looks like the Pringles guy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's funny, this is not the first time we've seen Binky with a mustache. That's true, when he's a wrestler, sometimes he has a mustache, right? There was also, yes, and there was also like a um, like a potential future that we saw of Binky in like a season or two ago, and he kind of looked a bit more Italian on, on his face. Mm. He looked he, he looked a little bit more like uh, honestly like Mario with a mustache. But no, it's not the first time. I want to get I want to get a good look at this. Um, it's a type of mustache that really speaks like Bink, Binky in a Western almost. Yes. It's that kind of like it's... very showy, bushy mustache. He looks like he's gonna tie someone to the train tracks. Um, he does kind of look like the Pringles guy. I see what you're talking about. Let's if put he, some respect just, on the Pringles just... guy's name. I did a quick Google search. Do you know the name of the Pringles guy? I'm sure I did at one point. Is it some? It's it's something like, um, is it like Cornelius Pringle or something? You might be thinking uh, you're you're very close. It's Julius Pringle. Julius, yes, that that rings a bell. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just getting it. See, the only thing is that Binky doesn't have that severe part that the Pringles guy does. Mm, mm, true, but interest, but interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're talking about. Um, what, what else? What else kind of stood out to you in this opening here? Uh, that's pretty much it. I, I, I just thought the lo- the big shot of like the zoom out of the sugar bowl and uh, Arthur pirouetting away uh, was a very <laughs> funny way to end this kind of bizarre sequence up to that point. Bizarre indeed. So the actual episode does more directly have to do with what Arthur is talking about here. So one morning, Arthur just can't find his glasses. They aren't where they normally are on his night table, and then he just can't seem to find them literally anywhere in the house. So naturally, they have to get Arthur new glasses. Now, 
Lucas, I consider you the glasses expert, even though I do have my own pair of glasses. That was a big highlight yes. of 2022 now, but I've only had them for like a couple months. You've had them for a large portion of your life. I can't imagine, like, especially if you're a kid, you got to have a spare pair, right? You do have to have a spare pair. I've broken glasses more than I've lost glasses, so I've done... Well, but, but what- for just such an occasion, yeah. I've done what Arthur has d- does later in the episode where I've taped glasses up temporarily. Sure. Um, but this does hit close to home. You know, the prospect of getting new glasses is a big deal. It's like getting a whole new face. So I understand right. Arthur's anxiety here uh, as he goes to the optometrist, the, the glasses salesperson, uh, to obtain new glasses. It's kind of a stressful time. Um, so much so that I actually don't do this anymore. I always order my glasses online because I don't like dealing mm. with the optometrist person uh, finding the glasses that best fit my face, uh, which in this case is our new friend, the throwaway character of the week, uh, Helmet, I think yes. is his name. <laughs> so before Arthur, one more thing before Arthur leaves. So we see him with his kind of beady eyes around the around the house and he's making all these common like teehee mistakes uh, from, you know, from the very first episode, Arthur's eyes. Like, can't see, very blurry, keeps running into stuff and doing the wrong thing. For example, instead of eating his normal cereal, he eats his dad's puffy, oaty fiber flakes with extra fiber, to which DW says, I didn't know you ate that. And Arthur says, ah, that explains why they taste like sawdust. Now, Lucas, you'd have Baryopolis. I would eat puffy, oaty fiber flakes with extra fiber. <laughs> I probably would too. Uh, in fact, I need some extra fiber. So, of course sense. you do. Every I th- I feel everybody does, unless you have too much fiber in your system. I don't know if that's possible. Anyway, yes, let's talk about it. Helmet's Temple of Vision, which is where Arthur goes <laughs> to get his new glasses. Um, first of all, I mean, if, I mean, I, I well, okay. Well, first off the top, he is this kind of that very specific German stereotype of like new wave artiste. He's like, Bruno. Oh, He's Bruno yes. from the, the yes. Sasha Baron Cohen character. Bruno. <laughs> it's very Bruno. Yes. Um, um, he uses a, one of those phrenology yes. claw okay. things I'm to measure. You wrote this down too. I was like, why is this guy doing phrenology on Arthur? <laughs> Not only that, but he says his, um, I wrote it down here somewhere. Yes. He goes, your head is the same size as an immature honeydew melon. <laughs> yeah. This, what a, what a, what a weird cat this guy is. Although he's not actually a cat. I believe he's a, I believe he's a rat, but uh, what a weird rat this guy is. And, and, uh, I'm sure, Lucas, this has got to be throwaway character of the week, right? Yes, yeah, no, no. Helmet, as stated earlier, Helmet is absolutely the throwaway character of the week. He is wearing this, like, crazy jumpsuit with a big H belt, which is supposed to, I I think, be a a helmet belt, but it kind of looks like the Hermes logo, which, you know... Oh, sure. ...leads credence to his high-fashion aesthetic. (laughs) Um, And, you know, this is totally accurate to the experience. I don't know, Will, where you got your glasses, but anytime I've gone to the optometrist, they do have someone who's like, okay, let's pick out some glasses for you. And I really hate it. I just want what I like, not what someone else thinks would look good on my face. Um, So I think this accurately portrays... Uh, that experience. And then he gives him this weird glasses case that plays this like royalty free disco song. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if we have this technology in 2023. This is pretty space age. 
Uh, thankfully, all of my, my my one glasses experience so far has been pretty hands off. A um, couple other things about helmet. Uh, apparently, so as they're looking at different glasses, he is he suggests a pair that Arthur doesn't really like. And he says they are made with helmetide, which can withstand the weight of a pygmy hippo. So he's created his own like element, essentially, like his own version of adamantium. Yes, and and you can see on Arthur's glasses when he gets them the H logo on the side. So Helmet is like not only is is he stocking, uh, you know, he he's not just the person who sells the glasses; they are manufactured. They're Helmet brand. This guy's like the Gene Simmons of glasses. Like anything to do with eyewear, this guy has his fingers in there and he's trademarking the crap mm, out of mm, it. Mm. Um, he also keeps calling him Artold. Like he keeps <laughs> messing up his name and calling him Artold. And Arthur keeps having to correct him. Um, great line delivery from Mom Reed when she looks at the price of the glasses. She just goes like, ooh, I think these could look very, ha, is this the right price? <laughs> and they eventually find a more trendy pair of glasses that Arthur likes fine. And he takes them back home. Init the initial reaction is fairly negative. DW says that Arthur looks like a toaster. The his glasses are like very silvery. They um I think you're better at like image descriptions, Lucas. How would you describe Arthur's new glasses? I don't know. He kind of looks like Ben Affleck in The Accountant or something. Like, right. Like, yeah. it's it's much different from, you know, the thick rims of his brown glasses. These, there's a, it's one of those ones where, like, the bottom of the rims don't have an, or it's, ugh, God, I hate describing things. Basically, like, the bottom doesn't have an edge to horn, it. it. They're horn rimmed. Yeah. You know, okay. Do you know whose glasses look exactly like this? This is Who's a weird that? one for our American listeners. Okay. Um, Conservative Canadian Party leader Pierre Polyver has the exact same pair of glasses. Ah, uh, Pierre Poilev. Um, let me see here. Now's my turn to to do uh, to do a little Google foo here as I search up Pierre Poilev. A little, yeah. You know what? Yeah, Arthur does kind of look like <laughs> he does kind of look like Pierre Poilev here. That's unfortunate he's not a he's not a nice person uh, <laughs> uh yeah feel feel free to to look him up everybody that's uh it's a very french last name or so, don't. so much so uh he look th that's not the only negative reaction kate sees him you know after uh dw says he looks like a toaster kate actually imagines him as a toaster and starts to cry well, and this, again, another bit of brief body horror, which Arthur likes to do every now and again. His head literally turns into a toaster and pops out bread. It was, as I like to say, it was a little upsetting. Like, it was just like, ugh. It, they, really, they really went far with that. In fact, Arthur is envisioning that the reaction to his glasses at school the next day will be so bad, he has a dream that night that Mr. Ratburn forces him to go to clown class. So right. <laughs> normal class is not is is not appropriate for his new glasses. So there's apparently a class in Lakewood Elementary that only teaches clowns and it is taught by helmet. Yeah, this is weird for a bunch of reasons. He's not actually wearing his glasses in when he gets kicked out of class. He's got like a Groucho Marx mask that's glued to his face. Right, right, uh, right, right, and right. Mr. Rapper demands he takes it off and stops clowning, but he can't. And yeah, that's when he gets put into Helmet's clown class where there is a hippo. 
Um, but it's not like a funny animal hippo. It's not like an anthropomorphic hippo. It's just like re- regular four-legged hippo in a dress. Um, yeah. And also Pickles the Clown is there. Of course. Uh, uh, brushing up on his clownery. So Arthur thinks that this is just going to go completely terribly. So at first, he, he in, in fact, he pulls out some season one tech here. He just pretends he doesn't have his glasses. Uh, you know, you go all the way back to the first episode with this one where it's just like, oh, I don't I don't need my glasses. But Mr. Ratburn knows him too well at this point. Uh, ask where his glasses are. And Arthur puts them on. And actually, his friends like it. He gets a, a couple of compliments on it. Uh, Binky, in fact, he goes to make fun of him. He does like the wind up. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I think they make you look like a, I can't think of anything. Like Binky is flummoxed. He can't, uh, he can't think of anything. And as Arthur continues to get compliments on his eyewear, it actually begins to affect him. And as we've seen many times, Lucas, uh, Arthur can't, Arthur can't handle like, being complimented in the sense that it really goes to his head and this begins to <laughs> very much annoy Buster. It's this is classic Arthur Reed here of he, the the man the man just shouldn't be complimented. He needs to be kept in check at yeah. all times. His he gets too big for his britches. Uh he thinks he's a fashion expert. He's giving Muffy fashion advice. Yeah. He uh becomes a this another guy who was almost throwaway character of the week, this goat that was playing chess against brain. He 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 starts using the phrase, you know what I always say, and then saying very like famous colloquialisms. Yes. Um uh, for instance, the best defense is a good the best offense is a good defense, which he helps brain win a chess match. And this is where Buster starts to have enough. And he's like, You don't play chess, you play checkers, and I beat you half the time. Right. And when he when Muffy asks between two different dresses, uh, one of them is retro chic. And Arthur says, Well, I always say what's old is new, and Buster says, You don't say that. <laughs> and but this is but it's too late. It's Arthur's new personality. Dude, Buster goes to Buster goes to Arthur's house. DW answers the door, and she's dressed up like like a doctor in scrubs. She's got like a face mask. She's got on her uh, hospital outfit, and she says Arthur's busy with a patient. Buster goes into the living room, and Arthur has George on the couch, and he's acting as a therapist. Big <laughs> big laugh out of me. I loved this. This Not, is such a I, great I, reveal. I had a big laugh when uh, Buster, out of frustration, uh, first of all, George uh, gets a little bit of therapy advice from Arthur saying that uh, takes one to know one when George <laughs> is asking if people think he's weird. And George has this revelation that it's like, oh, they're weird for thinking I'm weird. And as he's leaving, he says to Buster, this guy's great. You're gonna, you're in good hands. <laughs> and Buster exclaims, you're not a therapist. You're just a kid with fancy glasses. <laughs> It's so funny. I, I just like a genuine laugh out yeah. of me. I, I really liked this. Um, also, this scene, uh, some of the characters look a little look a little off model. It was a it's, it's like that. That was unfortunately the drawback of the scene, but I'll take uh, it. For, for I'll tell you what's that. looking off model is this next sequence where. So, yeah, go go for it. <laughs> yeah. Arthur opens up his uh, case, which, as we stated earlier, plays this off brand disco song. And then all of a sudden he's like. In full, like, Saturday Night Fever, uh, John Travolta gear, and he's walking down the street, and this, like, Windows XP visualizer shows up behind him. 
and he's, he's also walking like that one picture of John Lennon where John Lennon's got the really big stance. I don't know if you've ever seen oh, yes. that picture. Yeah, That's yeah, how he's yeah. walking, and it's got this weird, like, the it, the background just doesn't look quite right here. I'm watching it again and again, and, like, I, I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to have this, like, psychedelic distico effect, but it looks really strange and, like, stretched in a weird way, and it's just kind of odd. Well, and... So this is an Arthur meme alert here, and I've been wondering when we were going to get to this because this is these are gifts that I've seen a bunch of times on Twitter and such, and it's Arthur with the popped collar, like spangled silver blazer, and he's got the glasses on, and he's strutting down the street, and like you said, the kind of Windows Media Player screensavers in the background, and Arthur's kind of like flashing the guns at everybody, like Mr. Menino, keep it real. Um, just totally feeling himself very, very much got vibes of Tobey Maguire in uh, Spider-Man three in the, in this one, just, uh, vibing and down the street. Great comedic timing to the end of this scene, which is that Arthur trips and his glasses get immediately run over by a car. <laughs> and, and there it is that if Arthur can't be kept in check by like friends or family, he needs to be kept in check by the universe itself. So yeah, Arthur trips, his glasses get run over by a truck and he has to tape them up, which seems to kind of break the spell for everybody. Yes. Like, as soon he as they loses, see this... He loses his swag, but he's still trying to force it. Like, he's going... He literally says, yo, what's up, to somebody. <laughs> I think he says it to Jenna, of all people. <laughs> just like, you know, just like, my mate, my mate... <laughs> Uh, he calls George G-Man. What's going on, G-Man? But nobody's buying it because they see that red tape keeping his glasses together and it's all of the mojo is gone. And uh, apparently Arthur gave really bad fashion advice as well to Muffy. It went over horribly, the dress did. And at the same time, Buster s- comes to school and in an effort to counteract Arthur, he starts wearing these purple ski goggles <laughs> as his new glasses. And they- And they're like, you know... They're giant ski goggles with, like, the orange uh, glass in the middle. It's like, he, he's like, these are my new glasses. And Arthur's like, no, they're not. They're just ski goggles. And then Muffy's like, I don't know. They look pretty good to me. But because Buster doesn't need glasses or, in fact, goggles, he, like, runs in. He, he walks into an open locker and smashes the goggles, like, within two minutes of de- debuting them. He looks like um, Seth Green and Can't Hardly Wait. Seth Green's rocking the seas, the like uh, the ski goggles. That whole movie is he really okay? That's uh, my closest goggle thing would be like I don't know. He looks like a he looks like the leader of the Digi Destined or something. Uh, so Arthur and Buster have both been humbled. Essentially, George and Muffy. I think George like literally just says they both look very silly, and so both of them have been uh, appropriately humbled. Arthur apologizes to Buster. Couldn't believe this. He throws away his glasses. His parents are going to be pissed. I know. They already used up all their insurance to get the first pair. And then <laughs> the the final reveal, and this is a touch yeah. of the, the classic Arthur magical realism. Um, where has Arthur's glasses been? Why, it's Toady right. riding a dashend with Which glasses is the... On. So... That dog was, I think, I'm reaching back here, and uh, our Arthur, Arthur Reelheads, excuse me if I'm getting these facts wrong, that was Mr. Toad's dog bodyguard, I want to say. Like oh, he had true. that he, he had that dachshund that was kind of his heavy, and but it seems to be 
Toadie, because if I remember correctly, Toadie took over for Mr. Toad. And so the implication seems to be that Toadie stole the gla- Arthur's original glasses for whatever reason. Like, nothing's made of it. It's just like a cute bumper yeah. to end the episode. And, I, and I'm sure he just has his glasses next to episode. I guess we're going to have to wait to find out, but... <laughs> That'd be really funny if, like, we got one other episode where Arthur's, Arthur acts like this the whole episode, and it's just between him getting the new glasses and destroying them. If we just get, like, Bully Maguire Arthur for a whole episode, that'd be great, but probably won't happen. All right, let's rewind it back here. Final thoughts, starting off with Buster's Garden of Grief. Uh, Lucas, what'd you think? Uh, I really liked Buster's Garden of Grief. Now, it I, I think that it's a very straightforward episode. You know, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it because there's not really any subplots. Um, it really is just kind of this emotional journey with Buster of him getting tasked with the responsibility of this garden, him rising to the occasion of it, um, then his friends really disappointing him and him being crushed, but then, you know, them in turn being inspired by his efforts. Uh, Very simple story, uh, not reinventing the wheel, um, but, you know, I'm a big believer in um, plants and gardening as a really constructive and uh, mentally healthy exercise. It is something that fosters responsibility, and it's a really rewarding activity. So I was kind of interested in the topic, and and so I liked it. What about you, Will? I liked it too. In fact, I think I like it more now that we've talked about it. it. You mentioned it earlier. It's a very straightforward episode, but like there were parts of it that really surprised me, and it it does seem like we managed to get a little bit deeper with the Buster character. Now, I'm not saying that you know Buster needs to be depressed now or something, or it's like oh, bust. Well, Buster has depression. That means the show's mature now. Like no, it doesn't. Certainly doesn't have to be. But it was. We've never even seen Buster have the capacity for that kind of like he of course he's been sad before he's been disappointed like disappointed and all this kind of stuff but this is like it felt way different and and like way more true to life for that part but beyond that i do i do agree i think this is a really cool idea and i love the character growth of when even the character themselves doesn't think that they have you know responsibility or the courage or whatever um, whatever value you're, you're trying to instill in them or try to make them realize that they have when even the character thinks that they can't do it and then they do like that just works like that's just a that's a story for me that a beat that really works almost every time and I thought that this was a really cool way to do it I love that the community garden is part of Buster's character and I hope that it continues to do so uh, especially as we are getting ever closer to a a new era of Arthur uh, which we'll be getting to, well, by the end of the month, probably. Um, before then, Through the Looking Glasses, I thought was fun. I actually quite like this episode. It was very funny. Like, there's, a, it, it's nice that, you know, we don't always have to have Arthur episodes be serious or have a message. Although th- this kind of does have one, but it's more of just slapping down Arthur and making sure he doesn't get too comfortable in his station. Um, but yeah, lots of, lots of funny jokes. Uh, I do love when we get to let Arthur be the one who's being ridiculous because I think that it's, I think time and again, once Arthur begins to think that he's something he's not, it's pretty, it can be pretty funny. Uh, and thankfully, like, you know, he didn't have to hurt anybody's feelings, especially it's just, it all got to be very light 
and uh, at times trippy in terms of the visuals, especially with that uh, Arthur sequence. We got we got Helmet, which is a good way to kind of create create a one off character and just have a little fun with it. Some of the visual gags are funny. I I, I liked this one. I like this one quite a bit. I think you're onto something. Arthur as a character is very similar in a way to George Costanza, where I think some of George Costanza's yeah. funny, his funniest moments are when he is the architect of his own demise. When he gets too big for his bridges, despite being such a sad sack all the time, and immediately you want to see him get his comeuppance. Arthur's the same way where, you know, we usually feel for Arthur, he's usually the voice of reason, or the one that is a little bit more emotionally intelligent than his friends, the one that's maybe a little bit more sensitive than his friends. Here, we get to hear him say things like yo what's up uh and act like you know the big guy on campus uh and of course you mentioned earlier we got to learn about helmet as well which you know can't be discounted uh helmet's great yeah really weird episode like kind of a bizarre episode but i think all for the best I like when the show can get a little a little bit bizarre and uh, and they and they can do it in really fun ways and we see a little bit of that in both of these here today. So a really a really good return to Arthur season 15 as we chip away and get very very close to the end. We've only got two episodes left and as we've, you know, if this is maybe your first episode that you're listening to or if you haven't listened in a while, I'll just remind you that at the end of season 15, that's the end of traditionally animated Arthur. We're going to we're going to deal with that very, very soon, because as has been mentioned before, Elwood City Limits is back to weekly uploads, or at least mostly weekly uploads. So we're going to be talking about the next episode very, very soon, uh, whether you're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, or if you are on the free feed, the next ECL episode we're going to be talking about is The Butler Did What? and The Trouble with Trophies. So, I mean, at least judging from one of those titles, the, we are really turning up the Bailey content, which is uh, something that I think we were both asking for. Give us a little bit more Bailey so we can figure out how we feel about him. Other than that, it is a new year full of new possibilities, new uh, turns for the content that we're doing, but we're also going to be still talking about Arthur, and I'm very happy to do it. And Lucas, uh, I was, I mean, I was happy for the break, even though, honestly, wasn't the best break in the world for yours truly, but I'm glad that we were both able to take some time off, and now we're getting back to it, and I'm glad that we are both uh, back together again and revitalized and ready to go for more Elwood City Limits. Yes, I can't wait. New year. Uh, we got to work on those ins and out lists, Will. We, we've heard a lot of stuff that's in this year. I got to know what's out. Uh, for instance, I'll tell you what's out. Not subscribing to the Patreon. Just kidding. <laughs> no, we love everybody, uh, even the folks who don't subscribe. As long as you're listening or emailing or even liking uh, our posts on Instagram, it's so nice to hear from all of you and to be able to do this show in the new year. I absolutely agree. Support your local podcast garden, however however you can. It doesn't have to be monetarily, although we do appreciate that. Just being active with us where you see us, keep, uh, continuing to listen to the show, sending your feedback in, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com or on any of our socials. And uh, yeah, just uh, letting us know what you think of the show, what you like, and hearing from you all the same. My name's Will Young. Thanks a lot for listening to this first edition of Elwood City Limits for 2023. And for Lucas Mancini, you look like a toaster. We'll see you next time.